started last week looking at this whole idea of generosity and what it means to be generous with our lives, something sometimes we don't do all that well. We saw last week that, uh, that, that the Bible talks about a shift in mindset, that, that uh, many people in this world have this kind of, uh, I'm going to live, live life to be fat and happy, so to speak, or satisfied and happy, and it's all about me and all about uh, how life benefits me. Uh, and we need to shift that mindset to a life of generosity uh, and and kind of the, the the four underpinnings or the four basic things that uh, that this whole series uh, rests on are, are uh, God owns everything I can trust God God blesses uh, he blesses so that I can be a blessing. So, uh, because in, if we believe those four things, that God owns everything, it's not just about me, that, uh, that I can trust God with, uh, with everything in my life, that God is the one who blesses, then, uh, then we, and that I am blessed only so that I can be a blessing, then it shifts our entire life, how we live our lives. It, it happens in every aspect of our lives, uh, and we, we, uh, Talked about that, that that affects our time and our talent and our touch and our treasure. All of those things together that, uh, that, that how we spend our time, uh, how we use our gifts and abilities, uh, our touch, our relationships, uh, and also the, uh, the, the, the money that we have and the stuff that we have, then it, it, uh, it affects everything. We're going to use those differently. If we believe those four things, then we're going to do those, we're going to live our lives Differently, And today I want to drill down a little deeper on that last one, our treasure, because I think it's probably the hardest one to buy into. Uh, I, I think uh, many people think that, that, that preachers and churches just want your money, and I suppose there are there are some out there that do. But but I'm not preaching on being generous uh, just to uh, just so I can take your money. I don't take your I don't count I don't touch the offering. Just just don't let me know that. I'm letting you know that right now. Um, but uh, but I am preaching on generosity because the Bible talks so much about it. It's just part of who we are and how we live our lives. Uh, we tend to compartmentalize things, I think, and, and maybe maybe it's hard to see how your financial life has anything to do with your spiritual life, but it really has everything to do with your with your spiritual life. Uh, your relationship with God affects every part of your life, including what you do with what you make and what you have. And if you truly believe that God owns everything, that you can trust God, that God blesses so you can be a blessing, then you will handle your money and your possessions differently than someone who doesn't believe that. Maybe you uh, re- recognize the name from history, the Duke of Wellington. The Duke of Wellington uh, was the person who defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. Many books have been written about the Duke of Wellington. A recent biographer uh, claims that he has kind of a, a special insight, a deeper, a closer insight than any other biographers who have written about the Duke of Wellington because this biographer claims that he found an old account ledger that shows how the Duke of Wellington spent his money. And so he says, well, because I have that, I will have better clues of what the Duke thought was most important in life, uh, more than all the speeches that he might have given or the letters that he wrote. I wonder if someone wrote your biography and all they had to go on was your financial information, what would that biography look like? What, what would it say that you thought was important? What priorities would rise to the surface? 
probably in my life it might be Walmart. You know? I don't know. Giant eagle right up there toward the top, right? Um, no. If, if we pull out our finances, used to, uh, used to say your checkbook. No, who uses a checkbook anymore, right? But, uh, if you pull out your finances, you pull up your, your, uh, your, your bank account, uh, uh, online and you scroll down through that, what would that say is most important? If you look at your budget, what have you allocated? What are the priorities in your life? What would that look like? I want to read a couple of great passages, probably not new to most of you, uh, but it addresses some of these topics. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. The Apostle Paul talking to, uh, writing to Timothy, a young pastor growing up uh, under Paul's uh, leadership. And Paul says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking, starting in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, initially, as we uh, read those passages, especially that one in Timothy, we might th- be thinking, okay, good, I'm off the hook, because this is addressed to those who are rich in this present world, and I certainly am not rich, right? Uh, there, there's always, we, most of us don't necessarily think that we would uh, be categorized as rich, because we're always looking for a little bit more, there's always more to, to grab, there's all, or more, to, more to reach for, more to save for, all those kinds of things. If we look at this, and you've heard this before, but in the global perspective, uh, those of us, even some of the, the, the poorest in our country, are still among the top uh, 20 to 30 percent of the uh, uh, income. Uh, uh, the, the income is, is in the top uh, 30 percent uh, globally, worldwide. So when, when, when Paul says, uh, c- command those who are rich in this present world, we probably have to include ourselves and recognize that he's probably preaching to us, that we need to be uh, recognized that we are part of that, those who are rich in this present world. And what does he say to, to us rich folk then? What does, what does he say? The first thing is to be humble and to trust God. Uh, verse, verse 17, uh, has there ever been a truer statement than, than that line in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, do not put your hope in wealth which is so uncertain. I think we could, we could, uh, uh, pretty much, uh, we can, we can support that statement. We would agree with that statement. We know that's true. The, the stock market goes up and down. The economy rises and then it tanks. Jobs can be ripped away at a moment's notice. The security in the area of finances is hard to find. Wealth is so uncertain. Uh, Paul talked about it clear, in, clear back in the first century. The same is true in the 21st century. So the first question is, if, if we're not supposed to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, where do we put our hope? Or I guess we need to ask ourselves, what have I put my hope in? Where is my hope? Are you hoping in the financial environment of the day? Probably kind of foolish considering the uh, the volatile and uncertain uh, uh, way that, that 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 all works. Or is your hope in God who, as Paul says, who richly provides? 
It's possible to be rich in this life and poor in eternity. This says that some people put their hope in their worldly riches, but they're not prepared for the life to come for eternity. Uh, he, He calls that the life that is truly life. In other words, if we're living just for this life, it's like we're just pretending to be rich, but it's not really going to get us anywhere. Maybe you remember, I don't know, I I remember seeing this on the news a couple years ago. There was a man in Boca Raton, Florida, who had occupied a 7,500 square foot mansion. It did not belong to him. It belonged to the bank. The people that had owned it had defaulted and moved out. And this guy found it and thought, hey... I can get in, I don't know, he got in a back door or back window or something. Anyway, he was occupying, and actually they they discovered that he'd been there for months and months and just kind of set up residency there. And so the bank uh, said, hey, you need to get out of here. And he said, ah, you know, I don't I don't think so. I kind of like it here. And uh, he, he stayed there. And actually, uh, Florida uh, law has this thing called adverse possession, where uh, uh, it's this old, old law uh, that says uh, in Florida, uh, someone can claim ownership of a property if they have lived there for seven years and paid the taxes. So this guy decided he, w- decided he was going to file adverse possession and, uh, and, and make claim on this, uh, on this mansion. Well, he didn't make it seven years. It was just probably about seven, eight months and uh, uh, finally was forcibly evicted. He was pretending to be rich in this world, but it did not last. Those who are rich in this life but not preparing for eternity are a lot like that guy in Boca Raton, living a life that's not really life. Just pretending, right? Eternity is the most real. It's life that is really life. This life ends. The question is, are we ready for the eternal life? Are we investing in things uh, for eternity? Uh, the second thing I, I want to pull out of, out of this passage is, is that we need to enjoy what God provides. My question to that, maybe yours is, wait a minute, can we really do that? Is that okay? Are we allowed to enjoy things in life? Or uh, usually when I hear sermons on on uh, on money and stuff, it's all about like, oh, sacrifice and, and give it away and, and, and all those kinds of things. Are we really allowed to enjoy what God provides? Well, it says that uh, that that uh, don't put your hope in wealth which is so uncertain but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment right uh, so so this says we're actually allowed to enjoy things in life it's okay to enjoy life and the things that money brings but we need to hold them loosely because right after it says that there in in, in uh, Timothy then it it also says that we need to number 3 be generous with what God provides Although it may not appear so on the surface, being generous is actually smart investing. Uh, Giving to others is what the Bible calls storing up treasure in heaven. Since we can't just send off a check addressed to God, we can't just uh, go in online and type in heaven and uh, and hit send on the uh, and have a have a check sent up to uh, the pearly gates. It it doesn't quite work that way. How do we invest in? How do we store up treasure in heaven in eternity? Well, the the short answer is give to things, spend your money on things that are eternal. The list of things that are eternal is actually a pretty short list. Uh, Of course, God is eternal. God's word is eternal. The, The Bible, scripture, the word of God will last forever. The souls of people are eternal. 
That, that when we die in this life, our souls will, uh, will live on. And scripture talks about that. So that's really about it. There's a pretty short list. God is eternal. His word is eternal. And the souls of people are eternal. So if you are going to lay up treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age, if you're going to lay up treasure in heaven, then you'll be giving to those things that help people encounter God and his word. Right? You're going to give to things that help people, people, souls of people are eternal, help them encounter God and encounter God's word. How do we store up treasure in heaven? Maybe it's just as simple as that. That list uh, of, of how we do that could include a whole bunch of things. You can give to the church. You can give to uh, you sponsor a child. Uh, you can give to mission work. You can give to uh, uh, Christian radio programs. You can feed the hungry. You could go on a mission trip. You could uh, uh, do all sorts of things. There are tons of great ways, great places that you can invest that have eternal significance. Store up treasure in heaven. The primary place and the way what scripture talks about, the primary place uh, to do that, uh, for starters, is your local church. So in this way, I guess I, I have a little bit of a vested interest, and so I'll spend a, a couple minutes here. Uh, I mean, it's it's great today, and it, it seems to be rather rather uh, cool and hip to give to causes. And we hear these co- about this cause, and it tugs at our heartstrings, and, and maybe we, uh, we, we spend a little money there. We, we Wow, that's really something I need to... Maybe we're watching TV late, late at night and the dogs look awful sad and so we want to write it right off uh, send off a check right or uh, or we uh, we want to want to give to this um, telethon or this this uh, local something that's going on Th- those things are great causes are wonderful we need to do that uh, but hopefully the greatest cause that's making a, an eternal difference in your life and in your community is your local church and so if you are receiving spiritual blessing from your church, if you think that, that that we are making an eternal difference for you and for those in our community, then you should be consistently giving, investing in the kingdom of God right here. Uh, you've... If you've ever given anything to the church, uh, any church anywhere, uh, you get a little statement at the end of the year, and uh, and the IRS makes us put a little statement at the at the bottom of that statement. We have to write this little thing. It goes something like this: uh, Donor did not receive any goods or services for above contributions, other than intangible religious benefits. So, in other words, we didn't give you stuff because you gave to the church. I think that the intangible religious benefits are a whole lot more important than anything we could ever give you, though, right? Uh, so I guess the question is, have I ever received intangible religious benefits through our church? If so, that's an eternal investment uh, where you're investing in in uh, the souls of people, helping them encounter God and God's word. Uh, the Bible talks about giving, supporting the church. We're, we're not just giving to pay bills. We're, we're giving to uh, to support the kingdom of God, investing in the, I guess as the IRS puts it, the intangible religious benefits that uh, that, that people receive through a local church. Bible talks about percentage giving. The the, the percent ten percent is uh, is a tithe, and that's mentioned in the Bible um, many times. That's uh, that's kind of a foreign concept these days. Uh, we give when emotion is high. Uh, we give when we we feel that tug. Um, 
giving of a, of a tithe on a regular basis is, is a lot more about discipline and a lot less about emotion. Um, but we're investing in eternity. We're planning for uh, this investment for God. Uh, it's it's in in our and just just to share. I mean, it's it's just taken right off the top. Ten percent before taxes, we figure up how much we've got, uh, how much we're bringing in. We've got a budget. We line it all out, and before we do anything else, that check uh, is uh, written to the church. one of the only checks I write because everything's done online these days. But uh, but there's something about, and again, it's not just about. If it was just about paying bills, I just leave it in there as part of the bills that get paid, and 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 that's great. And uh, and if you want to do that, that's wonderful. And sometimes that's the only way. Uh, that, that we can remember to do that, those kinds of things. I love the opportunity to sit here and the offering plate comes and I can physically put something in the offering as an act of worship to God. Not so that anybody sees, not so that this, it's this big, oh, look at, look at him, look at them. It's simply a discipline. It's an act of worship because God has blessed us in so many ways. We worship him even through our finances. I have to say, it would be cool to not write that check. You know, I got a daughter going to college in the fall, right? I mean, we could pay for a little bit, a couple of books with that, right? Probably only a couple because they cost a lot of money these days. But no, I mean, that's, that's the, that's, it, it's a significant amount. But because of our priorities and investing in the kingdom of God, and again, I'm not, I'm not uh, doing this to elevate me in any way, but simply to give an example. Treasure in heaven is about planning ahead, making God the priority. Treasure in heaven gets pretty sparse when we don't plan for it. We get maxed out, we get other, other priorities, other things, and we, if we only give when there's a tug on our emotions or if we have any left over, then it usually doesn't happen. Uh, a man once came years ago to uh, to Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and and he he had a concern uh, about his finances, about giving to the church, and he said, uh, Pastor Marshall, I have a problem. I've been tithing for some time, and it wasn't too bad when I was making twenty thousand a year. I could afford to give two thousand dollars to the church. He said, but now that I'm making five hundred thousand dollars a year, there's no way I can afford to give fifty thousand dollars a year to the church. And Peter Marshall didn't give any advice to the man right away, but instead he said, yes, sir, I see that you do have a problem. He said, I think we should pray about that. Is that all right? And right there in the halls of the Senate, they, they, they bowed down and, and Dr. Marshall put his hand on this man and, and, and he began to pray and he said, dear Lord, this man has a problem and I pray that you will help him. Please reduce his salary back to the place where he can afford to tithe. Most of the time, our own choices that have, uh, our own choices are the things that have put us in a place where we can't afford to tithe. And, and that happens. And life is expensive and, and we've got all this stuff. But when, if you really believe, and, and again, going back to the whole foundation of all of this, if you really believe that God owns it all, that you can trust God, that God is the one who blesses and that you are blessed primarily so that you can be a blessing to others, then this completely makes sense. It's just part of how we live life. Uh, you will, you will make that shift in mindset. And then once you do, you'll do the hard work of readjusting your lifestyle for the kingdom of God. So I guess the goal is simply this, restructure your personal finances with God first. How can we be generous? 
That's the, the, the whole, uh, whole title of the series, right? Be generous. Well, one great way that we can be generous is to restructure our personal finances with God first. Give 10% to the church, give extra to other great causes, save some, live on the rest. And you say, that's great, Pastor. That sounds wonderful, but there's no way I can do that. Uh, there, there's just too many things that I'm, I'm committed to and too much there. Uh, make that your goal then. Start working, like today, this afternoon, and get your budget and say, oh, I can't do 10%, but maybe I can do 1% and, uh, and do that off the top uh, before anything else. And then uh, as you pay off debt or as you uh, work on the practical issues of, of uh, maybe decluttering some things in your life, then uh, raise it to 2% and 5%, and however that needs to go. It's a spiritual issue. It's not just, ah, if, if I have enough left over. I don't know. I... Uh, Leftovers are good things, especially after Thanksgiving, right? Um, leftovers, a lot of times, there are things that taste even better leftover, right? But if you're having a big dinner and you've invited the family over, uh, or if you've invited somebody, let's say you're hanging out at church, you're, hey, why don't you come over tomorrow night? When they, when they show up, you don't say, yeah, there's some stuff in the fridge, why don't you grab, there's a couple of Tupperware things there, and uh, I think there's some, yeah, if you, just heat it up in the microwave, it should be good, well, I'll just grab what we want, and usually you don't do that, usually, usually you're, you're, you're serving those that, uh, those that you value, those that you invited over, you're, usually you're serving them the good stuff, right, you save the leftovers for later, a lot of times, a lot of times, God gets our leftover. not just in finances, in life, right, the time, talent, uh, touch, and treasure, a lot of times, God gets if anything's left over. Scripture talks about giving him everything uh, up front first. Our lives are committed to him. We're, to steal a phrase, we're all in, right? You're all in, right? Just a few more hours and we'll just be, we're believers, right? Well, hopefully we're believers in more than just the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hopefully we are all in in our relationship with God. And if we are, if we are, it includes what we make and what we have. Um, it says that, uh, that our spiritual finances, uh, should give evidence of our spiritual condition. We're rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. There's a, there's a key principle here that, that I want to, want to just make sure we don't gloss over. Your heart always follows your treasure. Your heart always follows your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and that's, I mean, if you invest in a certain stock, I, I don't know, if, if that's you, then you're probably looking up from time to time, periodically, you're interested whether that goes up or goes down, and, and you're tracking it. Uh, in a sense, your heart is there. If, uh, if you buy a new car, Man, this is, this is, uh, uh, tr- has been true for us in the past. If we, if we, uh, if buy a new car, man, we're just keeping that thing clear. Maybe the first, Two or three years, right? But then slowly it kind of falls. But I mean, you're, you're keeping that thing clean. You're, you're, you're vacuuming it out. You're, you're washing it. You're making sure you park somewhere where nobody's going to ding your door. All those, your, your heart is there. You're, you're, you're concerned about that. If you give money to a missionary in Swaziland, then you're tracking what's going on in Swaziland. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. I guess, I guess I want you to hear this. God, doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And if he can get your heart through your money, then that's what 
He'll do. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. He created anything and everything. If he just needed your money, he'd take it. (laughs) God doesn't want donors. He wants disciples. Disciples who are wholeheartedly committed to him, and that includes how we handle our money. So, so maybe today you turned me off a little while ago because it's this whole generosity thing again and, oh, it's money and, yeah, we, we get it. Thank you. Um, if you tuned out, uh, I, I want you to tune back in. There's a, a, a great little quote from a book that uh, one of our former general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene wrote that, uh, that, that I want you to hear on this top topic. He says, when you go to the doctor for a checkup, he'll usually poke and prod and press certain places and ask, does this hurt? How about here? If you cry out in pain, one of two things has happened. Either the doctor has poked too hard, or more likely there's something wrong, and the doctor will say, we'd better do some more tests that's not supposed to hurt there. He goes on to say, so it is when pastors preach on financial responsibility and certain members cry out in discomfort, criticizing the message. Either the pastor has pushed too hard, or maybe there's something wrong. In that case... I say, my friend, we're in need of the great physician because it's not supposed to hurt the hair. If it hurts to be generous, then something is wrong. Generosity is not a painful thing. It is a delightful experience. And when you are truly in tune with God, the natural response of your heart will be to give. So I don't know if it hurts today. I don't know if I, hopefully I haven't poked too hard. Instead, I hope that the Bible has given us some practical handles on what it means to be generous with our lives and especially with our, with our, with our finances, with what we make and what we have. D.L. Moody once said, I have never seen a dying saint who was rich in heavenly treasures who had any regret. I have never heard them say they had lived too much for heaven or God. God owns it all. You can trust him, and he has blessed you primarily so that you can be a blessing. Let's stand together. Again, sometimes I uh, uh, come to the end of a message and I give you three or four things and say, okay, do this, do that. Uh, this is what needs to happen next. Uh, pray this prayer. Do, uh, today, the big thing is, maybe, maybe the big follow-up from a sermon like this is spend time in your budget. <laughs> uh, Go to your, uh, see how you can restructure your finances with God first. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that we'll take your word seriously today. That the, perhaps the challenge that it brings would, uh, would be received with grateful hearts, recognizing that you have blessed us in so many ways beyond measure. I pray, Lord, that we can be faithful with the, with the abundance that you've given to us. Lord, it, it's hard and, and we recognize that this life can get expensive and, and uh, difficult to, to stay ahead and all those kinds of things. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to see that you have the best things in mind for us and that this is a, uh, a spiritual issue, an issue of worship. Lord, I pray that as we, as we go from this place today, we can go re- knowing that your spirit goes with us, that we have the wonderful opportunity of living life every day in the presence of God. I pray that we will represent you well in the lives that we live throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.